Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, this week we are wrapping up the series we've just simply called Parently. Uh, and that's coming from the idea that in connecting with God, God deals with us in a parently kind of way. That He deals with us as a heavenly father. And we've been looking at that mindset the entire time. And, and, and whether it was um, kicking it off with Mother's Day and bookending it this week with Father's Day, that we have to recognize that God deals with us in a parently kind of way. And if you've got your version app, if you've got your bulletin notes that we handed you, we've been looking at this concept over and over and over again, that in its joys and struggles, the parent-child relationship um, reveals God's heart towards us as we begin to see it. And parenthood is not just this easy thing to deal with. Are there joys associated with parenthood? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, the scriptures talk about how moms step into and begin to do the whole childbirth thing which is just mind-blowing to me as a guy. I just that it would begin to, to do that and do it for the joy that was on the other side of all the pain and the suffering and the swelling and the uncomfortable for the months and all of those different things, that there was a joy that comes on the back side of that. But there are also, there are also some, some struggles. There's some struggles internally for us as parents, Worries, concerns, or struggles in, in dealing with our children, us wanting to make sure we do this right and connect. And, and when we look at this, our hearts want this. Our hearts want what God has wanted all along. And, and it's been revealed here in Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 30 says, Posterity will serve him. All Christ-following adults, parents, we want our kids to serve God. That's just that's what our heart's desire wants. Whatever that fleshes out like, whatever that looks like, however God's called them, when the dust settles, we want them to have a relationship with God and follow Him. The future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim His righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn that He has done it. And I'm a big fan of the way Eugene Peterson did this in the message translation, that our children and their children will get in on this as word is passed along from parent to child. Babies not yet conceived will hear the good news that God has done what he says. That's the good news. That God was, was pursuing us, that he was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, that this tension, this sin, all, all this stuff has been dealt with in Christ it's not about us making God happy. It's that God was joyful to come in Christ and pursue us. And he did the reconciliation. And now we can have a relationship and we can begin to grow. And we can begin to, to transform by his work alive in us. But for everything in life, for us to kind of understand what it means, we need context. We need context. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. And as we're wrapping this up, I want us to make sure that we have the right context when we connect with God. Well, we were talking <coughs> recently um, about um, our little, uh, our little daughter, Colin, who's at this age, that's decided that it's, she wants 
to be funny. And so there's this really cute age at three, four, even into five that they're funny and they don't know it. But then, you know, and you laugh and it is so cute. And then they hit this age where they begin to try to make it happen. And it's like overnight, all of a sudden, it's just not funny anymore. And the first time or two, you give them the pity laugh. And then you just have to like tell them, um, that's not funny. And so it crushes their little hearts. And you, but you got to help them. You got to say, okay, if you're going to tell some joke, this is how we're going to do this. And so Colin is still learning this. And one of the things that she kind of deals with is that years ago, um, when Lulu was eight years old, um, for those of you who are non-hunters, um, we, we eat what we take. So this is just basically going to the grocery store, all right? And so we just take a firearm with us. And so, and, and go into a pasture and get it really fresh. And so, um, anyways, uh, no, no hormones, no GMOs, just natural. This is organic. And so, um, so it took, uh, took Lulu hunting and went out on this deal. And I tried to expose her to uh, snow skiing. And, but when taking her to go shopping for uh, an outfit, the ski bibs, they were all out of pink ski bibs. So she's like, I don't want to ski. So she didn't ski. If she could not wear pink, she was not skiing. So it was time to hunt, and this was a daddy-daughter thing. So, I, man, I tell you what, I found all of the pink camo, all the pink stuff I could get. So she was decked out in all the pink gear. And so, and it was so funny. You do the pre-trip uh, hunt and the boys and all that. They've got their guns and they're like this. Lulu has her gun. <laughs> I'm like, how do you even know to do the little tuck the knee thing at eight years old? I, I don't know. And I don't even know what that means. I don't know if all women, when the camera comes out, have to go to the bathroom. I, I don't know what happens there. But, and so, and um, anyway, so we go hunting. She has a successful hunt. And it was, a, it was a great time. And so I took the video camera, I video and her, and, and we, we get the hunt. And then I, I video her um, going out to, to approach the deer, which was hilarious. And she had to go and do the little poke it with the, the gun. There's no round in the gun. And she has to go and poke it, which was the funniest thing because she's like. And so she finally does it. And then I interview her after the hunt. So you get the post-interview hunt. And she's, I said, so tell us what you did. She's like. I just shot a deer. And she does it this real sweet little eight-year-old kind of way. And so we have this video, and periodically we pull out the, the home videos, and we're watching them. Well, Colin has now seen this, and she thinks um, that it was really hilarious of, of Lulu saying, I just shot a deer. And so randomly, in, the in our household, which has some context, Colin will come up and go, I just shot a deer. <laughs> And we laugh, and because we all have the context. Well, now she wants to get laughs. So now she'll walk up to random people who don't know anything and go, I just shot a deer. And they're like. This is creepy. What's the matter with this pastor kid? <laughs> she recently did it at a graduation ceremony, walked up. I just shot a deer. <laughs> did, it to, did it to some of Brooklyn's friends. 
And uh, anyways, so I'm like, okay, child, um, nobody, they're not laughing. She doesn't understand why they're not laughing. And they just look at her weird. And it's like, there's no context. There's no context. And folks, we, we, have, we have to have context. And the thing is, there's so many people, we need the right context. And we sang about it this morning where we, we sang the song that begins with this phrase, that I've heard a thousand stories of what they say you're like. There's all of these different frameworks of who God is and what he's like. But that song goes on to say, but this, this is who you are. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. Whatever else framework tries to be thrown up, it's you're a good, good father. And I tell you what, it's no wonder why so many people, when they hear somebody randomly tell them God loves you, and they don't have the right framework of God as a good father, it doesn't jive. And, and we think that ought to automatically respond with some sort of recognition to that. And they look at us sideways and they look at us weird like we might as well have just said, I just shot a deer. And because they don't have the framework of God being a good father. They have the framework of God being judgmental and hateful and all of these different things, aloof and distant and angry. And then all of a sudden we throw this random God loves you thing in there into that framework and it, it mucks up the, the, the works and they don't understand how it is that that is who he is. And when we begin to get that framework, that context it begins to change everything. God wants us to view him as a loving father. Let's look here in Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 1. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father. Father. When you pray, have this context. Say, Father. That's how the, Jesus saw him. He, all the time, he always calls him Father, 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 Father. Oh, look at every time he prays. It's always Father. And he's teaching us to do the same th thing. That is the context. Father, hallowed be your name. Yeah, we should praise him. He, he has a kingdom. He is a king. But he, before he's a king... Before we talk about his kingdom, we talk about his fatherhood. He wants us to connect with that first. John 14, 1 through 4 says, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You, you know the way to the place where I am going. It's like my father has a big house and lots of rooms. He wants you to connect with that. He wants you to connect that he is a, a father. How amazing would, is it, would it be to just have the concept that God just wants us in, in heaven with him? You know, and a lot of us see that, you know, you know what? It'll be okay if I'm just there in the same zip code as God. But I'm like way down on the street in some sad little shack there at the end. And I'm just going to be, ooh, I'm just glad to be here. You know what? And from our own righteousness, that's a fair statement. But again, we're doing this not on, about us. 
We're doing this because this is about God. He's a good daddy. It ain't enough for us to be down the street in the same zip code. He wants us in one of the rooms in his house. He wants us right there with him. As he's doing life, he's bumping into us in the halls and connecting with us. We're at his breakfast table, at his lunch table, at his dinner table. That's what he wants. That's how he wants us to interact and see. 1 Corinthians 1.3 says, Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, in every salutation, and every letter that we have record of in the New Testament, every one of them says, God, our Father. He does not open a letter. He does not get anything else started without setting the context and the framework that God's Father that he's father first. And now I've got a lot of stuff on my heart that I want you to engage with your father, your heavenly father first. Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought, you about, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Folks, adoption under the Roman government was, had, was more sticky than even natural sonship. Natural sonship under the Roman government, a, a parent could say, you know what, I'm kind of done being your parent. I'm through with you. I, I'm done. And they could disown a natural born child. Under Roman law, you could not disown an adopted child. They were more, you were more connected than, than even a natural born. That's why he carries in this phrase of adoption. We've been brought in in such a tight way that he, we are together forever. He is our father. See, dads help their kids to trust God by being active and loving earthly fathers. Dads provide context for what a father is. They provide context. We desperately need this context. And sadly, some of you never had it. Some of you never had that. There's entirely too many people who grow up without any kind of context just because dad's not there. And I'm not here to bash on anybody on that, but it's just, it's just the truth. We were on a walk this weekend and, and walking along and talking about this. And I, and, I, and I mentioned about some of my plans for the weekend. And so, and Cutie, liking to, she likes to pick on me all the time. And she's like, well, it's not Father's Day yet. I said, baby, they call it Father's Day weekend. I said, it's Mother's Day, and it's Father's Day weekend. I was like, look at all the advertising. This is the way it goes, babe. Everybody calls it Father's Day weekend. And so, and uh, so we're mouthing back. So then she mouths back to me. She's like, well, um. Well, I, I wouldn't know. She's just, she's just being quick. She's just witty. And, and she's like, well, I wouldn't know uh, about any of that. I, I never celebrated Father's Day growing up because her dad wasn't around. Her dad wasn't in her life. And so we're going back and forth, and all of a sudden we look over, and we're on this family walk, and Lulu's standing right there, and she hears her mother say that, and Lulu just starts weeping. Just walking down the street, and she, Lulu's just crying. He's <laughs> so tender-hearted. And she goes, it's just so sad that you didn't have a dad growing up. And it is. It is sad. It is sad. And there's a lot of you who don't. But, but dads, 
who are there. Dads who are engaged, we have an opportunity to help create context for the context. Okay? We have the context of, of God being a father. But if we have a broken earthly view, a broken earthly context of what fatherhood looks like, it kind of makes it hard to connect with God as a father. It makes it difficult. And so one of our best roles, dads, is to help shore that up and give some good earthly context to the idea of fatherhood so that we can connect on a bigger way to the heavenly context. And I was the direct opposite. I, my dad is sitting here today and has been in my life all my days. And, and I, my, my dad is just a wonderful father growing up. And many of y'all have heard um, me share the story, and I, and I have a, a lengthy version that I, that I have an entire message that I, that I preach with the story. Uh, but one of a, a seminal moment in mine and my dad's relationship, we had a lot of great moments. We had a lot of fun times together and a lot of great times. Um, but there was a moment where um, I just messed up royally, and things just could have gone really, really, really sideways. And, and see, I mean, one of the things, reason I wanted to have a car show is because I like cars. And so, and um, I know I don't drive anything awesome or beautiful, but uh, I have a lot of kids. So I traded cars for kids. And so, and uh, so it's a good trade. And, um, but I still like them. And so, so we lured other people's cars here so I could drool over them. And, um, Anyways, and so, uh, but I had always wanted this. I'd always wanted a, 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 a sweet car growing up. And, you know, when I was, you know, 10 or 11, I was like, Dad, you know, um, you know I, wanna, I really want a Lamborghini, but I'll be okay with a Porsche, okay? <laughs> and, and, and so, and my dad's like, lets me know, okay, you know, son, you know, you're, you, got, uh, you know, you got some years to earn some money, you know, get after it. And, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to buy whatever it is that you're going to drive anyways. And I was like, Whoa, wait a second. And... Uh, so it was uh, summer before uh, I turned 16, and I was 15 years old, and we went on a, a family trip up into Arkansas, and we happened to be um, in some community in Arkansas, and there were two convertible Mustangs for sale, 65 and a 66, uh, red and a turquoise, and man, I just, oh my gosh, those are amazing. Well, my dad's first car was a 66 Mustang. So all of a sudden, we're like bonding and looking at these cars. And then the rest of our vacation had some tone of Mustang to it. And so we began to look. And so finally, we decided that that, that was going to buy me a classic Mustang. And he, my dad did. And we, we had a certain budget that we were going to spend, which was going to get a good daily driver Mustang. Uh, it wasn't going to be a show car, but it's going to be a good daily driver, a good solid car. And I was looking in the thrifty nickel before Craigslist. And, uh, and so, and looking in the thrifty nickel and ran across one that was twice the budget. But I was like, Dad, let's just go look at it. Let's just see what a car twice the budget looks like. And, um, and it was a car that was literally worth twice what they were asking for it. And the guy had gotten a financial bind on another project and was selling this car, and it was just gorgeous. It was just absolutely gorgeous. 67 Mustang with styled steel wheels, Acapulco blue Seven coats of paint, three coats of clear, 289, board 30 over, headers, dual exhaust, glass packed. It's awesome. 
You just, you just wanted to lick this car. It was just like, <laughs> mm, it was rolling candy. It was awesome. And my dad did the unimaginable. Um, and uh, he made a, a, a financial sacrifice and, and bought this car. And so I, I, I tried to sleep in it the first night. I, ju I just... <laughs> I just loved that car. It was just amazing. I washed it all the time and, and uh, got my license in that car. And uh, mind you, my birthday's in October. Um, and in January, early January, as I was heading back to school, then uh, I was going to pick up one of my best friends. And so I had the shotgun position open and had my sisters in the back seat. And um, my baby sister played the devil's instrument. Uh, the clarinet, and so if you play the clarinet, I'm sorry, we'll pray for you after service, and so you notice there are no clarinets on stage, and so, and, um, but anyways, uh, the reason it's a horrible instrument is it comes in a real hard, pointy case, and she had this case in the back seat, and she's trying to find a place to put the case, and she's banging it on the back of my pristine vinyl seats, and she's banging it around, and she's like, put it and I'm like I'll tell you where to put it and and so and, and she's she's over there banging it around and and so I finally was like put it right there and she's like what and she's still banging it and I, was, I finally said put it right there and pulled the steering wheel with me and hit a 78 Trans Am uh, that was parked and I totaled both cars, never hit the brakes. It was a big mess, and I wanted to die, and it was horrible. I literally did. And um, anyways, and so my mom, I, and I'm just so freaked out. The car's wrecked, but my number one thing was is my mom pulls up. I had actually laid in the street hoping someone would run over me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My mom will testify to this. She, went, she used to go to the mall and walk. So she's coming home in our blue suburban up our street, and she sees a wreck, my sister sitting on the curb crying, and my body laying in the street. <laughs> and she pulls up to that. And then I get up and go to the walk, talk to her. Um, it was that crazy mom fear. Now I'm going to pull your head off. You should have been dead because I'm about to kill you. And... Uh, and so, and I just get up, and I'm just, I'm crying, and I'm so upset, and I'm, I'm like stinking cold. I went, into, I went into physical shock, and I told my mom, I was like, I wrecked Dad's car. Mom, I wrecked Dad's car. I wrecked this car, and I was, I was just so fearful about connecting with him. And so, um, so we go back up the block to my house to deal with the police, and, and I'm just laying down, and, and uh, my dad gets home from early from work, and, and my mom comes back to our, my room and says, uh, pack a bag. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, and uh, my sisters are told to pack a bag. So I think dad's just done parenting. It's just like, <laughs> this is it. I, I'm through with this. And so, um, so we pack a bag, and we load up in Suburban, and it's a, literally no one says a word all the way from o Odessa to Andrews and drop me off at my grandmother's house there in Andrews, and then they head to Riodoso, and they go to the mountains. And then 
as they are, are there in the mountains, my dad uh, deals with his anger and his frustration and all the what ifs because all three of his beloved children were in that car and we could have been hurt and all the what ifs and all the stuff that comes and the anger that comes with the what ifs and all those different things. And, and he prayed and he had a moment with God and he dealt with that with God. Well, I didn't know that was happening. All I know is I'm there with my grandmother and they come back after, I don't even remember how long they were gone and come back, but they were gone for a night or two and come back, pick us up, don't say a word and drive home, don't say a word. So this whole time I've still not talked to my dad after the wreck. I've still not had a single word talk to him. So as soon as we get back to the house, I just, I go to my room and I just hide there. And eventually I had to come out and I'm walking up the hall and we enter into our living room and my dad's coming from the other end of the house and we come into the living room and, and we're on a, a collision course with one another. And it was just no way to avoid. So my dad's walking towards me and I'm walking towards him so I drop my head and I just step out of the way. And he steps in front of me. And I'm like, um, this is it. This is... This is where it happens. <laughs> and, uh, and he sits there and he looks at me and he doesn't say anything. And my dad reaches out and he gives me the biggest hug ever. He puts his arms around me and I put my arms around him. I can't tell, I can't tell the story without getting choked up. Because I knew that all the blame was mine. All he had to give me was love and acceptance. And there in that living room, he cried and I cried. And what could have been a, a major hiccup in our relationship ended up being one of the most bonding moments ever. And that's what a father does. That's what our Heavenly Father does. That is why, no matter what happens in your life or what you deal with or what kind of thing, remember, yes, he's God. Yes, he's God, but he's your father first. And it don't matter what happens, what goes on, he'll help you clean up the mess. He'll help you move forward. He'll help you create a new way forward from that moment. But what he wants first and foremost is the relationship. And praise God, I had the context that even in my lowest, ugliest moment, a father will reach out and hug and love and embrace and say, you know what, we'll deal with the mess on the backside of this, but we're not going to let it destroy the relationship. We're not. And folks, from that context, it helped me to grow as a child of God. It helped me to understand that when I fall on my face, when I mess up and I do things, that yes, there are times natural consequences, and there were natural consequences. That car went away. It was totaled. It was gone. There were some things that had to be dealt with. There were some issues. There were some citations. There were some natural consequences. But the relationship still was there. And that is what this is all about. See, Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. I'm so thankful that my dad understood I was in such a frail place that one harsh word would have just cut so deep that he made sure that nothing hurtful came out of his mouth. I'm so thankful for that. 
Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. There's training and instruction. Do all kids like the training and instruction? No. So will there be some whining and some frustrations at times? Yes. But that exasperation is to not take into account their their context and their frame of reference and their weakness and to drive such demanding things on them that we actually crush them under our fatherly authority. God doesn't do that with us. He carries us into greater and better things. The Holy Spirit's constantly reminding us of a, that we can live on a higher level, that we're called to be Christ-like, and, and remind us of places that don't match up. But he never does it from a place of condemnation. It's always from a place of love and calling us higher. 1 Thessalonians 2.11 says, For you know that we, are dealt, we dealt with you, each of you, as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Folks, our bottom line is true fatherhood reflects our father God. That's what true fatherhood is all about. Because folks, our highest and best life, our highest and best life is found in simply being a child of God. That's where it is. If we can learn every day to, be, to live more as simply as a child of God, then folks, we're going to see our lives transformed amazingly. And guess what? Now's the best moment. What a beautiful Father's Day gift to give to our Heavenly Father. Then to say, embrace Him as Father right here and now. We're going to create a moment here. Set aside for that purpose. I want us just out of out of respect for everyone around us, we're just going to kind of bow our heads and create a moment here. But I want you, say, if you have ever, or if you do feel away from God, you had the wrong context. If you had the mindset that somehow He's angry with you, that he is fixated on your shortcomings more than he is fixated on his relationship with you. If somehow you've had the wrong mindset of what this is, and today you see that first and foremost, he's a loving God. First and foremost, he's a God who's for you and has pursued you. And he comes at you with open hands and open arms, not with a clenched fist. If today you're ready to embrace God as Father, I want you to just slip your hand up and we want to pray with you. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Yes, yes. Awesome. Yes, yes. Praise God. Yes, yes. Believers, I want you to just lift your voice with these that are about to pray. If you lift your hand, I'm going to loan you some words. I want you to pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. That you love me so much. That you took it upon yourself. To deal with all my sin. To deal with all my anger. To deal with all my faults. And you were in Jesus. Reconciling. Dealing with forever. My sin. And my death. I believe. 
that because of Jesus, that I am heaven ready now. That his death covered my death. And his life is now my life. And you're my father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.